You're listening to Cine Binge. Welcome to Cine Binge. This show was born from my friend's persistence in me watching certain shows. I've been asking Simon to watch Dark, a German TV show on Netflix, which I guarantee he will like. But for some reason, he's always been a little apprehensive about watching it. So I said, I'll watch it if we can put a podcast around it. And this is that podcast. Welcome to Sydney Binge. My name's Simon. And my name's Andrew. And today we are talking about episode seven. Crossroads. Crossroads. Momentum is starting to really build up now. Definitely. I think this is the first episode where it was going from present day to 1986 quite regularly. Like it wasn't a yes. show that it wasn't the whole episode wasn't just set in one time. It was bouncing quite a lot through it. That was quite hard to get used to at first. You know, you know what what makes it hard to follow in that sense is that a lot of TV shows would have would have actually put the the year on the screen every time it went <laughs> yeah. back and forth yeah. to help you keep track. Whereas this doesn't do that. All this does, and we were talking about sound design in the last episode. Uh, and again, it's the sound design around the transition when they move between the periods. There is a kind of rushing sound followed by the sound of a, a clock. Sometimes it's like a really sharp snipping sound, uh, like the tick-tock sound. It will always be there, which would indicate the passage of time, jumping battles between the two time periods. That's consistent. Every time they move between those two time periods, you always get that same transition. Ah, oh, that's a listen out to that which again is why i said in the previous episode when we were talking about this and i said that you really have to pay attention to what's going on because it's not just necessarily the scene that you're watching that's important it's also the transition that takes you into the next scene and if you've not been paying attention it's very easy to miss which year you've jumped to so so crossroads is as you say very uh momentum starting to build very quickly now uh we We've got Ulrich really kind of getting into the investigation about what happened with his son and potentially how it might be linked to uh, his brother's disappearance way back then as well. He's got his heart set on um, Helga being involved in some way, certainly in 1986, and is refusing to believe that he's, he's not involved in his son's disappearance as well despite him now being in the nursing home so there's certainly something around that and he's desperate to find out what happened back then and why helga didn't go and visit the police station like he was asked to um and meanwhile while this is going on we've also got jonas back in 1986 searching for his uh his father as a young boy still sort of Mikkel. he seems to think that he can probably return Mikkel back to his present time uh, until he's obviously warned against that and the consequences of doing so, what that would mean for Jonas himself, um, which obviously explores the usual kind of tropes around uh, time travel. So, yeah, some some interesting questions are being raised, certainly in this episode, quite a few, in fact. And we also get perhaps one major answer around who we were previously calling Mr. Dark as well. So that's another thing we can talk about. So the show opens with the death room as... I think anyone in there would call it. And uh, we show this kid whose face is covered in blood. And the first thing I wondered was, is that his blood or is that from someone else? It wasn't really clear. Mm. The cinematography in this episode was really, really good. And it was pointing things out 
subtly, but enough for you to go, like, wants me to look at that. As I was watching this at this, the very beginning, it seemed to let you look at the wallpaper, and I thought, why is it letting me look at the wallpaper? Like, this is important, with all good reason, because mm-hmm. later on, we find out the hatch or the... Um, the bunker. yeah the yeah that room that is the death room um or the that was the blue room because the detective lady goes in and she finds a piece of this wallpaper and you're like oh my this is starting to well it's not starting to give you any answers apart from potentially what that room is like you know for all we you know might just have people who's got similar taste in wallpaper and I think that was one of the big reveals as well, like what that room is. What's the, the question I've got for you is, what's the relation of Jonas to Hannah? Is that his mum? Yes, Hannah is Jonas's mum. So Hannah was having an affair with Ulrich before Mikkel committed suicide. That's never explicitly stated. Um, certainly it hasn't been up to this point. But it looks like it is. I don't know it's possible i mean it depends on how withdrawn his uh her husband was at that point maybe she was looking for comfort elsewhere because her husband was uh you know locking himself away in his room perhaps for long long periods but i don't think it was ever explicitly stated in the show that that they, they, they their affair started before while while her husband was still alive but she's always liked Ulrich, and the, the you know 30 years is a long time for them just to like, do you know what I mean? So I just think, I think it's probably an on and off type thing. Fairly high chance that there was an affair going on before the husband passed away, that's for sure. So we have Jonas, obviously 1986, sees his dad and you're like, oh my God, is he going to go out to him? Like, and we also find out in this episode, see, we find out quite a few things in this episode that I did ask questions and you wouldn't tell me. And one of the questions was, can someone who has gone back in time, go back in the cave and go back to present time. And in this episode, we find out they can. Yes. Because there's some sort of fold in time or something that's going on there. Because Jonas mm-hmm. does that after yeah. being told by the stranger, don't meddle with time. Like the path is already been set. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this has the same rules as the Back to the Future. If you go back in time and you kill your grandfather, you will disappear because you will never be born. Yes, it's following that same kind of uh, rule, isn't it? Time, time travel rule. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to kind of an alternative view where perhaps you split off into another alternative dimension and and, and a new, new um, timeline exists in parallel to your current timeline. That seems to be what it's implying. The biggest reveal is we see Noah, or at least we think it's Noah, who's got this huge tattoo on his back with the sign that we keep seeing in in the show. He's brushing quite manically. We don't know whether it's blood or we don't know what's gone on there, but something has happened in this hatch. We hear the sound first and then we see Noah with his top off. I think that's where the episode ends. So we're like... Clearly, he isn't a priest, and clearly, he is very, very involved with the whole bigger picture of things. They were the big reveals in this episode, unless I've missed anything, which I don't think I've. They, they were the things that I was like, "Oh my god, 
Like that's what mm. sort of stood out to me in this episode. And apart from, and obviously we had the old man waking up and he said, I remember everything. And you're mm. like, okay. Now my next question to you, the old man who wakes up, is that the security guard? Yes, that's Helga. That's not Egon. That's not Egon, no. The guy who wakes up who says, I remember everything, is Helga. He's the guy in the care at the nursing home as an yeah. old man. And Charlotte, when when Ulrich uh, contacts Charlotte and says, you know, I think Helga was involved in some way. Yeah, wh- where was he? What was he doing? And Charlotte's like, well, he's a, he's an old, he's a 77-year-old man with Alzheimer's. You know, you really think he would be involved in what, what just happened with your son. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't, um, steer Ulrich away, does it? It's, he goes and basically visits him and, and tries to interrogate him, really. You know, what happened back in 1986? Where were you going? What, what does the Forest Road mean? Uh, why didn't you go and uh, give the interview like you were supposed to? He's really got... He's, he's giving him a hard time. And um, and Helga seems really spooked by the whole thing, doesn't it? It's like he's, he's really freaked out by this whole situation. He's saying things like, um, it's him, it's him. And then talking about how... I can change the past and the future as well was another interesting line that he said at that point. Sorry, in 1986, where do we see Helga? He's not this policeman, is he? No, the policeman is Egon, Egon Tiedemann. Right, okay. The Mr. Dark, that is the guy who works at the power plant. Is that right? Yep, that's Helga. That's Helga. Okay, that's that's where I was getting. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember if his name was Egon or what. So, okay, so Helga... The guy who we see at the end with 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 who we assume is Noah, who's got a body. Mm-hmm. He's in the nursing home. He's now in the nursing home. Yes. So he knows what's he knows everything. He seems to be very key now, doesn't he? He he's obviously something. He seems to have been in the room as a boy, uh, assuming that that's him when he woke up at the beginning of the episode, saying that he remembers everything. Mm. Uh, it seems to be. I mean, the, the common link between the elderly Helga, the the middle-aged man Helga, and the young boy is that they all seem to have had damage to that side of the face. So their ear and face mm-hmm. are, is disfigured in that way. So it, it's it's you would make a pretty obvious guess there that the boy is Helga and he's remembering being in that blue room as a young boy. Um, something clearly happened back in his childhood. And then... Uh, growing up, he was working at the power plant, seems to have been involved in, uh, obviously suspicious because Egon's interrogating him at the time and saying, you know, why did you take the forest road? There's the whole thing with the rapper, the Raider bar. We know now that he's also the the guy with, that had the hoodie on, the Mr. Dark character, mm-hmm. uh, involved in the sort of dragging away of, 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 the, of the young boy's body at the end, seems to be involved with Noah in some way as part of all of this. So, yes, there's... Helga is now a major source of suspicion, you know. I mean, despite the fact that he looks a bit, I guess, I would say upset by what was going on when you see him um, dealing with the body at the end. There's, you know, there's a tear in his eye. Whatever it is, he's not, he seems very remorseful about what's happened. And you just picked up on a word that I've used quite a few times during these podcasts when we speak about one of the characters, uh, Doppler, saying... He seems like he's remorseful about something. Mm. And the fact that he seems remorseful after being in this, what we think is the bright blue room. And mm-hmm. then we see Peter Doppler, who is also in that room with his dad, is it? Yes, it's not his dad. So the guy that you saw, um, Helga Doppler, is Peter Doppler's father. Right, yeah. But in the previous episode, when we saw Peter in the same room, in that bunker, 
when he was looking at the notepad with the time and he was in that room with Tronte Nielsen, who is Ulrich's dad. So we now seem to have four characters that are connected here. Um, we've got Noah connected to Helga. We've got Helga Doppler to connected to Peter Doppler by back to them being father and son. And we also have Peter Doppler connected to Tronte Nielsen, who is Ulrich's father. So there's four characters there that all seem very suspicious about what's like what's happening and what's going on here, but we don't quite know exactly what's going on. I still think when the stranger said to Jonas about not meddling with time, I still think those other characters who were in that room, I think they've gone back in time and grown up from 1986. Don't necessarily think we've met them, but that's what I think. I think mm. they've gone back in time. And the reason why perhaps they're having to kill or or do something dark is because they have to, for them to survive, they can't have people meddling with time. So that's mm. what, that's part, that's a little, that's Simon's theory, which mm. I kind of alluded to last week. But the more I'm watching this, the more I think that that is what the overall story is. The darkness is about having to do bad things to stop uh, they're meddling with time that will affect their existence. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, let's talk about some of the other things that we saw in this episode then, because there's, you're right that I guess Helga Doppler is definitely key to what's going on, but there's a lot of questions still around what actually happened in some of those periods. For example, what, why is his face all bloody when he was a boy? You know, presume what year was that? What year did that happen in taking timetable, uh, time travel out of the equation here it would be assumed that you're talking like the 1950s or something, wouldn't you? Because he was a young boy in that picture, in that that scene. So that kind of ties in with what uh, Noah is writing on the wall, right at the very end, when he writes two dates on the wall. And he writes 1953. Uh, there's two dates. It's the 5th of November, 1953, and 9th of November, 1953. So four days apart. And it's that would be exactly 33 years earlier than 1986, which is where we were based in parts of this episode and in parts of the previous episode. And there was a couple of other dates that were linked in this episode as well. They made a point on, on identifying specific dates, which kind of help you get a sense of where, what the time period is that we're, we're talking about here. Uh, so, for example, Charlotte uh, mentions that the 12th of November... I think this is in relation to when um, Ulrich is talking about how Helga Doppler was meant to have gone to the station, I think, on the 12th of November in 1986. And Charlotte says, the 12th of November is three days from now. But she's saying that in 2019. But the date is three days from now. Forget about the year. So it's almost like they're implying that these two dates and timelines are running simultaneously and that the events of the 12th of November, 1986, are also happening at the same time as the 12th of November, 2019. So when you go between the two, um, when you go through the cave and you go back and forth, it's the same date in that year, 33, 33 years earlier. So that seems to be like they're very, very much tied, those two dates. So as it stands, when Charlotte mentions that 12th of November is three days from now, 
that would make it the 9th of November today in her in her world. But in the 1986 scene, if you think about going back to the 1986 scenes where Jonas is in 1986, it would be, and in fact, I think this is confirmed because I believe um, Jonas talks to the young girl in the school, uh, which is a young version of uh, Regina Tiedemann. Yeah, she gets bullied a little bit, doesn't she? Yeah, exactly, her. So she's the one that was tied up in the tree in the previous episode. Yeah. Now, Jonas asks her what the date is, and she says, I think, pretty sure she says it's the 9th of November, 1986. So you can see how there's this correlation in the two timelines that they seem to be running simultaneously from our point of view. We're looking at both of them effectively running alongside each other there. So there's, there's some questions around those dates. What happened there? What happened to Helga back in when he was young? Uh, they mention an accident that happened, Helga Doppler's accident on the 12th of November, 1986, uh, which is, I think, why he couldn't get to the interview at the police station because whatever happened on the 12th of November, 1986, apparently happened at the cabin, at the bunker. So we are yet to see that. Based on the fact that we are in the 9th of November now, according to 2019 timeline, at some point, you would expect that an episode in the future is going to roll around to the 12th of November, 2019, and we are at the same time going to see what happened on that date back in 1986. But it's a good question about what happened, not only as a kid, what then happened as a, an adult as well. He seems to have been involved in two nasty incidences that we haven't, we are yet to see on screen. Were you satisfied with the answers in this show? Not in this episode, but in, as a whole, were you satisfied with where the whole thing went? Where the whole thing goes, yes. I am uh, very happy with how the whole thing pans out, I'll tell you that. Did you predict any of this show? There are some elements that you may be able to predict. There are some elements that you may still find surprising. Okay. You're not necessarily going to predict all of them until later. Okay. Uh, I think I think they're doing a good job of... I mean, this this, this episode... For, for the, the fact that it tells you basically who Mr. Dark is, we now know who that person is in that, that hoodie, mm -hmm. it did throw up an awful lot more questions around what happened in the past. And that's the thing that isn't clear at the moment is, yeah, they've, they've, they've gone, oh, yeah, all right, we'll give, we'll give you, we'll give you it. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll let you into that little secret that Helga is, is the guy in the hoodie. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the guy that we've seen dragging bodies around. But we don't know with his part to play in all of this. We don't know why him and Noah are working together. We don't know what Noah's cause is. You know, we don't know if he is a priest or not and just happens to also be a bit of a nasty priest, I guess. Um, we don't know what's happening in the bunker, what happened back then. What were they doing in the Blue Room? What are they doing in whatever time? We don't know what time period that is. When uh, mm. it, it's, I guess it's 1986 because it's the... Helga of 1986 in that uh, scene where he's dragging the body away. So presumably that happened in 1986. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of stuff to uh, question really around this episode. Uh, and you've also got Charlotte. She goes into the cave network and she, I guess she sees the other side of the door. You know, we saw the door that was yeah. previously welded shut from the other side. And I guess we're now seeing the other side of that door. And it's interesting that, that she what she discovers in the cave is some yellow paint, flakes of yellow paint. And yellow is a colour that appears quite a lot in this show. Mm, it is. Jonas's jacket is bright yellow. It's on the, you know, as I say, it's, it's on that little part of the cave with the paint. And, and where what was in that cave previously that was yellow? The barrels? 
Yes. So in the days that have passed, when those barrels were in there back in 1986, was it? They were there and they've been moved. And I guess that ties into the previous episode where the power plant boss, Alexander Tiedemann, was talking to Jürgen Oberman saying that, you know, we should move some stuff. You remember that that scene yeah, in the yeah. earlier episodes? Well, Charlotte gets the search warrant mm-hmm. for the power plant. Now, that part sort of confused because she gets a search warrant, but I don't remember seeing her go actually in the power plant. The next thing you see her in a car and there's like, a, it's all open space. So we don't really see that investigation. Yeah, the the scene essentially what they've done there is they they presumably they do go into the power plant at some point, but certainly the scene that you see her walking around, she is inside the grounds of the power plant. But obviously, there's a lot of open space in the power plant, the forest and cave system, and so on. So she she is exploring, and then certainly while that's going on in the background, you see a police search team scouring through the field trying to see if they've got any sign of of evidence that would indicate that Mikkel is was there at any point um so there is an ongoing investigation in there maybe it's not over yet i can't remember exactly what's to come in the next few episodes but maybe the, the this is only the start of the investigation into the power plant and there's more to come do you think alexander tiedemann has a resemblance to noah um i can't say that i see the likeness to be honest i'd have to look at the two photos side by side to get a get an idea why i mean we haven't seen noah enough really we've seen him dressed as a priest we've seen him in a car and we've seen him well we saw a lot of him in this episode Mm. the questions around him are the tattoos on his back yeah um why he was brushing what was he brushing why did he write two dates on the wall was what time zone was that happening? Mm. Like, was that happening in 1986? Well, hang on. We see um, the Helga guy. He leaves that room, doesn't he? He does. He's left the bunker and he's carrying that body away. And this is all in, in one shot. And, it, and it's young Helga as well, isn't it? Yes, it's the 1986 Helga that's doing that. Yeah. Now we know that we've seen the priest in previous times uh, timelines. Yeah. Anyway, so we're not entirely sure because he's popped up here. We don't know. That's not a really good indication. But certainly Helga is the 1986 version of Helga, so that that kind of suggests that it's that it's happening then. Yes, yeah, so we see Helga, and then we hear that sound brushing, and we go to the the shot, and mm. we see a very muscly looking. Um, Noah look up at the camera the camera focuses on his back we see that tattoo with the sign which isn't the type of tattoo you get tattooed if you're a priest mm-hmm. so in in my notes I've just got one word written for Noah and that word's devil <laughs> it's interesting you use that word because we've we've alluded to that in previous uh in the previous episode actually when we were talking about the potential uh sort of for an antichrist figure in mm. this. Uh particularly and also the other interesting thing about this is the name of the show of the episode, given that we called it or they called it rather, they called it Crossroads. Now I don't know if you remember when I was talking about Robert Johnson, the blues player. Yeah. And how his 
life story. There was a, a, a legend of how he had sold his soul to the devil in order to become a great guitarist. Yeah. And that that was kind of based on the Faustian legend of the man who met the devil at the crossroads and sold his soul to gain fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here we are again at a crossroads and potential antichrist figures again. So yeah, there's there's certainly, again, we, we talked about how um, there's a lot of different literary and cultural references in this show that that keep repeating themselves. And I guess this is another example of that. Hmm. The fact that I'm coming to the same conclusion about this guy a few times and my gut tells me if he's not the devil, he's doing the devil's work. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. That's that's a a good interpretation of it. This episode was a good episode. I liked how it kept moving from time zones. At first, it was like a bit disorientated with that. But once I realized, ah, this is what they're doing, it was cool. I don't remember having the best musical montage on this one. Yeah, I can't say that it stands out particularly well in this particular episode. But it did have the 80s song. Uh, I think, Who's that song by? I forget who it's by. Do you know the one I mean? I'd have to go back and look at the episode. Flock of Seagulls, I think it is. Oh, yeah. I ran so far away, A Flock of Seagulls. It must be that that you're talking yeah. about. But yeah, they had the song from The Flock of Seagulls. And to say we are in the 80s, just for people who couldn't keep up, I guess. And again, I'd like a nice little school scene with uh, Jonas, and which must have been very... It was kind of like, this was how Back to the Future would really play out if you went back in time and saw your parents. You wouldn't be like Martin McFly skateboarding everywhere. You'd be like, what the heck? One of the things I like about this episode is we get to know a little bit more about Egon Tiedemann, the uh, the chief of police, not the chief of police. I forget what role he plays in this. I thought he came across quite creepy in this episode, if I'm going to be honest. I thought when he picks up Jonas and he takes it, he, dive, he, he drives a different way and Jonas is like, he looks like, why, what's going on mm-hmm. here? And yeah. the policeman's got just this creepy vibe. I thought, oh, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't like this. Yeah, it, it does play out that way, doesn't it? It does seem to feel like there's something quite a sinister. Bit him. Yeah. But I also think he's, it's funny how they kind of paint him at that age, I guess, as being a typical kind of older man in that we've seen him previously interrogating Ulrich and taking a dislike to the music that he was listening to. Mm. And obviously with what's been going on around the, the rape charge against Ulrich as well, uh, and then to, to just basically come out and go, you know, is Satanism a thing among teenagers? And Jonas is like, what? Mm. Where did that come from? You know, no, no, I don't think it is a thing. Uh, it just seems like a typical kind of, he, he's he's uh, not with the times, I guess. he's. And I, get, I, think, I think that's basically what the, um, I guess his boss was kind of suggesting as well. You know, you're basically near retirement, just, just retire now and rest. Yeah, because you're well, a bit too, it's, it's, it's a bit too long in the two for all of this. Well, especially when um, he says, "What are those?" and Jonas mm. is like, "What's what?" So, what are those in your pocket? Oh, the the headphones. They're not headphones. They're- yeah, so it's just just like not willing to accept new technology potentially. Uh, I mean, admittedly, in this case, it's 30, 30 odd years old. Uh, yeah, I remember having earphones like that back in. Uh, well, no, in the eighties, did they have head? Yeah, they had. They had little. They had crap headphones, didn't they? Yeah, I'd say perhaps more 90s than 80s. 
we'll have to Google that and see when those in-ear earbuds came out. But I'm guessing 90s. You would have thought that they would have been more recognisable as headphones. He would have kind of accepted them to be headphones if they were out in the 80s. So I'm guessing they were 90s and he'd just never seen in-ear headphones before. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably what it was. Um, but yeah, no, he just seems, again, he is, obviously Ulrich is stuck in a cell at the moment, waiting for some sort of justice, I guess. Um, Egon is talking to Katerina and asking her, you know, you don't have to protect protect him. What he's done was bad. And, and it's interesting as well that her face is bruised. Mm. It does throw a little bit of doubt in, in the story, you know, may, maybe he did do something or is it somebody else that she's covering for? Because, you know, that, that whole excuse about falling down the stairs or walking into a door, I think, was it falling down the stairs that she said she did? That was the reason for the bruise? Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. it was like, he didn't touch me, he didn't hurt me. Well, why mm. is your face, you know, what happened? Yeah. And, and it's also interesting, that line basically perfectly leads into the next scene where she says, you know, he would never hurt me. And then immediately it switches to the current day and there's that long shot slow moving camera towards them and they're having this big heart to heart you know i know i know that you're cheating on me um, yeah i thought that yeah. was brilliant so, yeah hurting hurting her in a completely different way obviously well i think as well that for me that so far has been the best shot in the whole series because it was that slow and it was that subtle it reminded me of the opening of the godfather but in reverse where we open up on a character talking to Marlon Brando and it starts off really, really close. And then it slowly, slowly like um, dollies out, pulls out. And then it's revealing stuff as this guy is talking to Marlon Brando. You don't know he's talking to him at this point. And then eventually when the camera pulls out all the way, you then see uh, who he's talking to. And it's just done perfectly and it's done so slow you don't really notice it moving unless you like you you remind yourself oh that that's like if something's moving really slow you don't notice it and it was like that with that scene in uh, in this episode where we start off really quite wide and then as the conversations get more personal and more intimate and more uh, dramatic we're getting right in there with the characters and it's as if it's saying like this is really important and it's also it's given no space for them to go like in the frame like do you know what i mean like you're, you're putting them that close together that yeah. they have to deal with this it was great just like Ulrich has nowhere to go really in that shot he's got nowhere to go in that conversation either it, it really drills home how big a deal this is really for them and it's going to be interesting to see how that part of the show continues to play out because we mm. didn't really, uh, it, it didn't really go into that much, that aspect of the show, but it's now gone back to that. That's what I, I am enjoying with the show as well. Like with other shows where they'll go, now we're going to concentrate on this aspect and then we're going to concentrate on this aspect. Mm. This kind of does it in a very natural way. So when it goes to another character, you go, oh yeah, that, that's going on with that. So it keeps you interested and engaged. I, th I think out of all the plot that is going on, to me, that affair relationship is the least interesting. I imagine that's going to play a much bigger part as it goes and all gets tied together. I hope. 
yeah, maybe. Uh, or it just might maybe a side plot that doesn't really go anywhere in the end. Um, so we're we're up to the end of episode seven now. The next title is actually really interesting. Episode eight is called As You Sow, So Shall You Reap. As you sow, so as you will reap. So you shall reap. So you shall reap. So that says to me this episode will be about more remorse. So it's like saying what you do, mm-hmm. you, the more you do it, the more you're going to have to like remorse, maybe. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair. Based on that title, you would assume that that people are it's the yin and yang, isn't it? It's whatever you do, you're going to be getting stuff happening back to you, which I guess is we're going to find out. I guess. Did you rewatch this episode? I have rewatched this episode. Okay. Yes, this is one of my favorite. Uh, well, I mean, beyond episode five onwards, it is just for me at least. I'm finding it very hard not to just keep hitting next episode next episode next episode because i really i just i, I love how it all plays out across the entire the entire seasons and i just want to keep watching really and holding myself back and saying no no let's just discuss this episode with simon first and see what his thoughts are before we move on to the next one here's a question for you if we weren't doing this podcast now would you still be watching the show i think i would have finished it by now i Probably would have binged it. After episode five, I would have, yeah, watched. Yeah. I wouldn't have watched it all like in the same day, but I certainly no. would have watched like say one a night and done it like that. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that is exactly what I was expecting you to find. Had we not been doing the podcast, I was convinced that if you got to episode five and you got to the end of it, at that point, that would have been the turning point where you went from, yeah, I could easily just like wait a week before watching the next episode mm. that episode is the turning point where it's suddenly like oh no no we need to get another one on we need to watch another one very soon because this is now really interesting and i want to see where it goes the only thing i'm disappointed about so far for this episode uh of cine binge as opposed to the episode of the show that we're watching is that we haven't once made a connection to lost in this episode um, I don't think there's any, well, the only thing that you could compare this, you know, any lost references in this is the hatch, really. The one thing that I like about this is the idea, obviously later on in Lost when we were doing the flashbacks and yeah. I kind of look at this and going, now that we're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between the two time periods, for me, that's basically the equivalent of the Lost um, flashbacks. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, a bit bit of a difference in like in in Lost, the, the flashbacks were a few years apart or you know months apart, as opposed to massive long thirty three year gaps as mm. we're seeing in yeah. in this. But yeah, certainly that that idea, the hatch and the flashbacks, I think are the connections to Lost for me. I tell you what is interesting in the show that we haven't seen any apart from children going missing, but we haven't seen anything where there are like bad guys or you know it's not like goodies and baddies at this moment mm. in time we've got suspicions about certain characters i would say yeah. how we had suspicions about characters in lost for example ethan or for example um benjamin linus do you remember what his name was before we found out he was really benjamin linus i forget his name but he was pretending to be the pilot wasn't he no, he was uh, he was pretending to be someone who had parachuted 
And remember, they went to find his parachute or whatever it was. Mm. And that wasn't his name. Do you not remember that name? No. I didn't watch Lost as many times as you. I've only watched it like four, maybe four times now. In in whole, but I mean, it's a long show to watch as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, he had this other name. And for, you know, when we were watching that show, this is what I loved about it because it was before the internet days. We didn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Mm. There was times where you think he's actually a good guy and then he would just completely do something and you go, no, he's the bad guy. But it was the same with a lot of characters in that show. Even the characters we we thought were who were good, that show showed that people aren't just black and white. You know, there's, there's grey and you can't have more of a grey character than Sawyer, you know. We have yeah. a guy who is a con artist. He's a racist hillbilly. But as we find out more about him, we find out why he is how he is. And we find out, you know, when he was young, did his mum get, yeah, his mum got killed, didn't she? Um, and because of this whole affair thing by this con artist, and we find out his name isn't actually Sawyer. His name's James. And, and that's what I, you know, I did love about that show. It was, it showed a lot of elements and layers to these characters. I'm not getting that with this at this moment, but what I mean by the in the show, we don't know who are the protagonists or antagonists because it it's not really doing that. It might go there, but at the moment, this show feels like it's not revealing anything about. We've we've got one eye. We've got an idea who is potentially a bad dude and that's Noah that's the only one we've got in for in, in mind because we've yeah. got other characters who seem remorseful but they don't seem evil they don't seem yeah, bad it's, it's almost like they're being directed by Noah at this point that that Helga is being you know forced to do stuff against his wishes um and who else and Peter Doppler was remorseful as well uh so again whatever he's involved in he seems to be showing regret and not that he's a that evil whereas Noah so mm. far from what we've seen of him is definitely looking like he's in control he knows what he's trying to do um and seems to be being painted at the moment as a sinister character yeah uh, hence why we were describing him as being sort of potentially the devil um so yeah I guess in that sense you've got him uh, and then whenever I see the stranger I just for some reason also must think of some sort of friendly Jedi character so it's, uh, I don't know if it's the long hair and the beard about him. He, he makes me the big robe. The, yeah, it's it's all of that. I think it makes just makes me think that it's like Obi Wan's lost brother. Um, You're yeah, right, though. So it's, it's, it's as if they are doing these things not because they want to, but because the threat that is over their head mm. is bigger than what they are having to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I. We'll see how the rest of this plays out. The only other thing that I found really interesting here is that obviously we were seeing this. This episode was definitely uh, Helga focused, Helga centric, mm. yeah. without a doubt. In all all of the ages, obviously it opens with him being a young boy. Um, that's if we think it's him. Crazy. That's not confirmed, yeah. is it? Well, it's yeah. I think the the disfigurement on the side of his face, the blood, would line up with that. So I think right. We've seen Helga with the as a young man or uh, an older man with with that kind of disfigured ear and face on that side, and we've seen elderly Helga as well with that same marking on his face. 
So it, it it would be a surprise if it wasn't him, I guess, at this stage. Um, but the, yeah, the other thing about this was that we didn't actually see or where Helga goes. You know, the elderly Helga who escapes the care home and Ulrich has gone for a midnight, or not necessarily a midnight visit, but he's gone to pay him a visit fairly late at night to try and get more information out of him. Um, like, you know, almost scaring him to death in the daytime wasn't bad enough. He's now going to visit him in the evening as well. Mm. Uh, and he basically follows him back to the cave. And he, he seems to know what he's doing, doesn't he? Obviously, the elderly Helga, he, he goes in there, he, opens, he gets the light out of this box and starts to navigate through the cave. Uh, so he, he has a purpose there. Uh, and it must tie into what he was saying earlier on about, you know, I can fix this, I can change the past and the future and all of this. Um, whatever it is that he said that he remembers, this this must be part of this. He's trying to sort something out. And Ulrich is now following him into caves to see what his plan is, what he's doing. Uh, I guess Ulrich just thinks that that's where the body is, I guess. He's looking to... Uh, it would be a, a, a fair assumption from his point of view that if Helga is involved now even in an elderly age, that perhaps he's going to lead Ulrich right back to Mikkel, either dead or alive. So there we have it. That is episode seven of Cinebinge. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on social media, Cinebinge TV for Twitter, Cinebinge for Instagram, and we will see you next time. Boom, done. <laughs>